Welcome, everybody. I'm Mark Peter Davis, Managing Partner of Interplay. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs advance society, and this podcast is definitively part of that effort. Today, we've got a market recap with Chris Zhang. Uh, he is one of my partners uh, and the CIO of our family office side of our business. Um, his background, he's a uh, highly educated derivatives and tra traded kind of everything at Morgan Stanley before joining up with us. Um, so we're going to do a deep dive today into the market dynamics that are happening. Interestingly, uh, the story is more driven still by the Fed than by any of the turmoil uh, in the Middle East or in the Russia-Ukraine zone. So uh, a lot of interesting narrative around that. And we've talked about how things might move in markets in the coming months based on what we're seeing now. So hopefully this is helpful to everyone. Without further ado, enjoy. Chris, what's up, buddy? Hey, Mark. Good to see you. Feels like it's been a century. Yeah, it's been okay. 15 minutes since we walked across the office by each other. That's how much I miss you. <laughs> uh, the market update today, I was thinking we should frame a little bit in all of the awful stuff happening around the world. Yep. Probably hard not to. I feel like the headlines right now are that in my feed is war and Trump. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's war and politics. Those are the two stories yeah. that are pervasive. Yeah. I don't want to keep talking about bad news here too. I feel like uh, the general impression of these calls is that people think I, uh, I'm the harbinger of bad news. And I think you're just negative as in general, just, a, yeah. just a disposition. No. That's not true. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> think, my wife thinks I'm, a, I'm an optimist compared to her. So maybe we're both negative. It's just all relative. There you go. Could be all relative. Um, <laughs> but I, I do, I do. I mean, the data is, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a data-driven person. I, um, the data basically always tells me something negative, unfortunately. Um, it's hard to see things that are on, with, a, with a positive light um, when, when, yeah, when you just don't see the data. So. There, there's some stuff I will share today. Obviously, I, I want to share with everyone on, on the macro side in the U.S. But yeah, like to your point, the headlines are always focused on the negative stuff, so you can't get away with it. Get away from it. Um, but what on my level, I, what I care most about is yes, with all these war, you know, election, and all these things uh, sort of in our in our in our news feed. Um, what is the ultimate impact that translates into data? Right, that's that's what I really want to look at. Um, and 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 and. You know, that's, I think, where we should start without just the macro picture, too. Um, Great. So should we talk about, I mean, if you want to just dive in, I have a few things I want to talk about regarding the job market and, of course, uh, yeah, totally. et cetera. So first thing first, I think um, since we have these chats now once a month, I, 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 it gives me more time to reflect on what, had, what was the most important thing that happened in the past month on a macro level in the U.S. and, and abroad. Um, as far as data is concerned, um, it's job. It's the jobs market. For the first time in two years, we're finally, finally seeing some softness in the job market. People have been waiting for this because without job market cooling down, um, the expectation is the Fed is going to keep hiking, which is bad for all asset classes. Um, so October NFP, non-farm payroll, which is the, the leading job data that came out last week 
um, indicated that that the economy added about one hundred fifty thousand dollars, one hundred fifty thousand jobs against an expectation of one hundred seventy, uh, which uh, you know is a sharp decline um, against what the September number was, uh, almost at three hundred thousand. And the unemployment rate rose finally to three point nine percent, which is the highest since January twenty twenty two. And if you look at onto the underlying data, you know a lot of the gains in sort of non-farm payroll came from healthcare, government, construction, so which are more viewed as seasonal, so that they're not, you know, stable. So you're, you're you know, even though we gain it and, and we add more jobs, but there's a sign of uh, a weakness uh, uh, in the secondary data, and our unemployment rate, unemployment rate rose. Importantly, as part of the job data, you also get the average hourly earnings, right? With this, we talk about this a lot internally. Uh, we view this as more of an um, uh, uh, indication of consumer spending power. Um, it's been rising steadily, outpacing inflation for the past uh, few few months. Um, and just logically, if if on a household level, you're you're getting, you know, your 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 sort of your your salaries are increasing at a faster pace than inflation. Your net spending power increases, which triggers down uh, to more spending, right? So, but this past month, uh, average hours of earning increased by basically zero point two percent, which is about year on year four point one percent. And we're gonna get the CPI data in, a, I think, on the fourteenth, so it's in about a week. And we're going to compare that. The whole market is gonna compare that to the average hourly earning data, because the theory is that if again, if inflation is now all of a sudden higher pace than your your job data and your average value earnings, people will feel poorer and therefore uh, less spending will happen. And that's another signal that Fed will be looking for as they consider rising interest rates, uh, raising interest rates or drop or sort of uh, being on hold. Speaking of the Fed, um, they just had their meeting, and um, most recent meeting earlier this month in November. And uh, for the second consecutive meeting, they've decided to hold interest rates steady. And for the first time since this hiking cycle, uh, the Chairman Powell uh, came out with more what I would consider dovish tone, right? So they, you know he questioned in a, a, you know a few places in his statements, um, uh, you know whether we should um, raise interest rates, and that's the first time ever uh, he said that. Before this, has always been inflation is not under control, that job is still strong, spending is still strong, we need to keep raising. This time is, should we continue to raise, right? The question has been, been asked. Um, the market loved it. Um, you just stare at any indices, any um, any parts uh, in equity market in the past two weeks, you, you saw this turning point. We're on our way down and all of a sudden this is 180 reversal and people really think that the regime has shifted. Now that we're in a, um, the risk is more cutting rates as opposed to raising rates. I think um, if you ask me, I think Mark probably to uh, to positively and to optimistically to that data has not shown that we're near the inflation target and spending is still very strong. Job market, yes, weaken, uh, weaker compared to the last few months, still strong. So we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So I do expect actually market to bounce back. From you know the, the the rally that we've seen recently, um, this is. Can I just Chris just clarify? Please, please. This is. Um, there's a. Am I correct? There's a lag between the time they 
they raise interest rates and the kind of economic factors adapt. So hearing the dynamic that the Fed is saying, hey, uh, things are starting to trend the direction they want. Yep. Pausing on raising interest rates further for the time being to see the unraveling of the of the work they've already done. Yep. Right. Seems rational. Right. Isn't that kind of you don't keep churning a boat after you you know, it seems like it's on course. Yeah. You you let it ride a little bit and see if it stays there. Yeah, I think the Fed is rational. Um they are they're, st- they're supposed to be forward looking, right? But but the data are mostly backward looking, um, and they have to be reliant on the data. And so before this turn, you know, the market were sort of a little bit nervous about them overshooting it, right? So sort sort of uh, hiking it too much to a point where we puts us in a, it puts us in a sort of part landing scenario, and then have to uh, sort of uh, cut aggressively to get us out of the hole. But now I think it's the other the other way around, where the, the the Fed is acting somewhat rationally, right? Their 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 impact in the market is finally trickling down. They're seeing the trends going in their favor. The market is now being overly optimistic, um, and it's as if as if we're not, you know, the real estate bubble, the real estate collapse is not happening. As if, um, you know, uh, we're hard lending is not even a possibility anymore. And mm-hmm. all these, and as if war is not happening, as if you know elections mm-hmm. not happening, all these risk factors are being ignored in the market currently, simply because of a shift in tone in the in, in by, by by Chairman Powell, right? So it's a very emotional reaction to. But is that justified? I mean, is the the interest rate more impactful on outcomes economically than wars yep. and elections? Yeah, it's a I mean, very it's so powerful, right? For sure, interest rate probably the fundamental force behind equity markets. But it's a shift in tone, right? Like we, we're not seeing. It's not like we're seeing uh, they're right. also decided to cut 100, 100 basis point rates and, and and commit to cutting it back to two percent. We're still at five point two five percent, and the ten year, as you will see uh, in, in Treasuries, is still at the high at the high of of recent decades. And and which trickle down to mortgage, which trickle down all these secondary rates that that the impact day to day spending uh, consumers. We're, we're not seeing any of that shift yet. N- none of it. It's just a tone, a shift in tone by by the Fed. And yes, somehow the equity market already rallied back to recent highs. So that that's why I, I personally view it as more of a over- overreaction. Let's see the data first. Let's see what actually happens, um, and then let's react to it. Right, right? now is just more of an unwinding position. Um, uh, that's sort of more technical than, than fundamental driven. Um, Chris, on the, the conflict, you mentioned it. We've got yeah. two conflicts going on globally now. Yep. Seem to just be adding them every six to 12 months at this point. Yep. Um, that's not factored, or it's not showing up in the market as you're describing. How it's- significant is it from a market perspective? And are there areas that people should be concerned about or watching? Yes. Because um, there's got to be some forces that come out of that, right? I'd imagine Absolutely. maybe some oils and weapons industries for sure. Absolutely. I think winners, losers in every scenario. But in, in the biggest, as you mentioned, the biggest uh, area people should be paying more attention to is, is energy. Um, because the two fronts where the wars are happening happen to be the most critical two fronts of, for, for net gas and, and oil. 
right? Iran, people are not talking about Iran a lot currently, but they could easily get looped into the war. And as we talked about internally, Iran produces somewhere around the 3 million barrels a, a day, which is not a lot on a global, from a global demand perspective, but they control uh, the Strait of Hormuz, which is uh, 100% <laughs> control of Strait of Hormuz, which controls about 20% of the global production, the uh, global supply chain in oil. And how does that impact um, your, your uh, you know, if there is a sort of a cornering in the market happening, how does that impact oil prices, which just has too many layers of secondary tertiary impacts in the global economy to even count. So, and that gas from Russia, yeah, all these all these things that are impact global supply and demand in energy market. People, I don't think are pricing it. Um, just looking at oil futures and, and these things, I don't think a market is necessarily pricing it fully in. Um, and yeah, an impact on really just global supply chains overall. Uh, and we haven't even talked about China yet because China, as of today, just just shows the probably the weakest deflationary print in their economy. And, and CPI and PPI both strong. And how, how do our people, and then actually that, 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 the impact of that actually was trickled down to some US companies, right? Most importantly, Apple. Right? Apple's earning came out last week. It's the weakest in a while. They've shown four straight quarters of decline, mostly because of China. The demand is simply not there, right? So the biggest company in the world is getting impacted and this is the longest sort of slide in earnings they've seen in 22 years. Um, and these things are not being factored in to me, uh, you know, based on what I've seen as of yet into the equity market. What should the equity markets are potentially inflated? Yeah. You know, when we, any, for any thoughts on like connecting the dots, like where this goes in the next few months that we should be paying attention to? I would say, um, I'm going to, it's a really hard question to answer, but what I would say is um, if, if I'm going to put my traders hat on for a second. And if you ask me, uh, what would I put in my own personal money uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, looking at all things, what would I put my money in for, let's say one or two trades? And again, I'm not recommending this to anybody. I'm just sort of trying to use this as an example to illustrate my views here. Uh, the first trade I'll put on is a spread trade. I will long oil prices and short US indices. So that's S&P 500 or any of the tech indices you think. I think this is one of the fundamental forces that will drive the valuations going forward. Oil prices, of course, real estate. It's hard to short real estate. So I would, I would basically long oil and short S&P. Okay, that's one spread trade that expresses my view. The second trade, I think this is probably, uh, there will be more people even agreeing with this, is that I want to put a steepener, what's called a steepener trade in an interest rate market. I think that the long-dated interest rate in the U.S. still has room to rise, so 10-year, 20-year. But the risk on the front end is now shifted to sort of downward. So I think the front end is likely going, uh, risk-reward-wise, likely has more room to decrease rather than increase because softening in the economy and the Fed guidance in interest rates. So I would basically short the 10-year, 20-year and long the two-year. Right, and then obviously price and yield are, are 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 inverse. So basically, what I'm betting on is a going forward next couple of years a decrease in front end interest rate and an increase relative to the two year um, in in ten year and twenty year interest rates. So if you believe these two, so that those were this this is where I will put my my money and and uh, for these two two spread trades. And if those two 
materializes, you will see this will impact everything. This will impact the dollar, the strength of the dollar. This will impact real estate domestically, internationally, uh, because construction loans are tied to the front end, whereas uh, mortgage rates are tied to the long end. Uh, that dynamic will play out, uh, unfortunately, not in favor of the real estate market, uh, residential or commercial. And um, yeah, equity market's being a little bit rosy right now, and oil is likely going to rise, right? So people can think about the secondary tertiary impacts from, from that. That's really helpful. Yeah. Chris, always here bringing us good news. Thank you so much, <laughs> buddy. Yep. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. And a quick reminder for everybody, Chris is a registered SEC advisor. Nothing he has said should be misconstrued as investment advice. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Chris, as always, is bringing us great news. I think that's becoming a running joke. Maybe when the, the market picks back up, you know, he'll be on the other side of the story and it'll get boring because he'll be saying good stuff every month. Um want to give a quick uh, heads up for everybody. If you haven't checked out interplay.vc, that's our website for our firm. A uh, great place to land to kind of see what we're up to and what we're doing. Uh, we've got a venture capital business, an incubator, a foundry, number of service companies, and the family office side of the house. Um, you can find out a lot about uh, the different types of things we're doing, get involved. Uh, if you're interested in working with us in something, you can just click buttons and get right to the front door, which is we require everyone to go through, and that's interplay.bc slash engage. Uh, and that should get you into the system uh, and in direct communication with the team and to the right people. So with all of that said, you know, check us out on the website, socials. Uh, but remember, we're here for more than just a podcast. Uh, and there's ways we can help. Let us know. Thanks for listening.